the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. The church cherishes the precious gifts of this prayer that we have just heard in the Gospel of John today. And simultaneously, she also remembers how the threat of making this prayer null is defeated. We remember today the defeat of the attack on Christ's equality with the Father that was the heresy of Arianism, which demoted the Son in a separation from the Father, even if only slight. This great heresy would have made the true, true and real salvation a figment of imagination. If in any way Christ is not equal with the Father, the salvation that Christ gave us and sealed for us by the ascending with his perfect humanity to the Father in heaven would be only mere moralism, rule following, and would leave us without knowing the Trinity that is eternal life. If Christ is not equal in every respect except his sonship to the Father, then all of our salvation is lost. The dogmatic truths that proclaim Christ's equality with the Father are defended out of love and are made possible to declare because Christ prayed for us to be able to know and see these truths and gave us his church as the means to know God his Father as our Father and not just think about ideas of him. All of this is encapsulated in the prayer that we have just heard the deacon read to us which is only actually half of what is called the high priestly prayer. Today, we remember 318 men gathered in the city of Nicaea to defend Christ's name and to shine forth the unity for which Christ has prayed. They came to show the life in the Holy Trinity, united to be one as the Father and the Son are one. That is what these fathers did, and that is what they proclaimed. This gathering of holy bishops, priests, deacons, and other pious men of the church was made possible by this prayer that we have heard today. We heard from Christ's own lips. The fathers are very clear that this isn't some sort of summary or this is what we think he may have said, but Christ's very own and exact words as he prayed to his Father in heaven. And the fathers in Nicaea were these Christ-bearing men for which Christ is praying. And for us, but they were these Christ-bearing men that we commemorate today, for Christ lived and shone forth in each one of them. So this high priestly prayer, what is it? How are we supposed to hear it? I would say that it is first, chiefly, a prayer from Christ's human nature to unite the disciples. The Son came from the Father and brought the divine glory into the world and into humanity and is giving it now, that same glory, by this prayer, and continues to do so for his, all his disciples through the centuries. It is also a, pre, a prayer from the God-man's own timeless sight and his wise plan for salvation. How do we know this? For he says things are accomplished which are yet to come in the gospel and the story itself as we read through it. Christ declares and asks for things from the Father as already accomplished that are not yet accomplished as he utters these words. What are these? He says, I've finished this work, but yet he hasn't journeyed to the crucifixion or risen from the dead yet. 
I am no longer in the world. But clearly he is standing before the disciples here. And then he says, none is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But this event has not yet happened. And then thirdly, it is also a prayer that lays the spiritual foundation and makes the unity of the disciples possible. That is, it is the unity of the church made active and given its spirit. Christ prays for all his disciples that they may manifest the Father's name. He says, thy name, as he's addressing the Father. And what is that name? He says, thy name. And it's exactly in the knowing of God as Father that is addressed here. St. Nikolai, in his homily for this day, says it this way. The name Father, this name was equally unknown to the pagans and to the Jews. It is a completely new revelation to men. Under the sinful yoke of darkness and terror, nor mortal, no mortal man could feel the fatherliness of his creator. So we could not know the Father until this event happened, until he, Christ revealed him, himself as the Son, and as we journey in Christ, we know him as our Father. The Word of God, who is the Father's Son, became a man and reveals and makes him known as our very own Father. So Christ is praying that his disciples be united to God the Father in heaven as a parent, that they be his own father, their own father, as he is his own. And all of Christ's disciples are kept in the Father's name from the wolves that are ready to slay them. And his death has no end. Death is not the end. It is another way of entry into those that know God as Father, and they join him as sons. And in this, he says that they will glorify thy son, speaking of himself, that thy son may also glorify thee. And it is this, honing in of this exact line for which we read, the, read this gospel reading today as we commemorate the fathers in Nicaea. For it's in this, how could anyone glorify another without being over or equal to them? Here it is the Holy Fathers preserved this from the scriptures, and they manifested it in Nicaea, that the Father and the Son are equal in glory and in power and in authority and in will, but only different in the activity that they do. It is Christ who came and saved us. So we know the Father through the Son and in the Holy Spirit. St. Nikolai, again returning to this idea in this homily, he says that the Father sent the Son into the world, and the Son revealed the Father, to the world. Nothing would be known of the Son without the Father, nor of the Father without the Son. And he says, as light would not be known were it not to come from the Son, nor the Son would be known without light revealing that it exists. So the two come as in knowledge, and this is what is defended today at the Council of Nicaea. And Christ prays for this to be done, and it is accomplished now and here and active in the church. This revelation of sonship, though, is not simply for his own sake. It's for ours, as we've been saying. It's for all humanity. It is for all of us today. Christ prays that we may have eternal life, open to us in knowing the eternal and life-giving divine Father through the Holy Spirit and in the Son's full and true 
incarnation. This is the glory that he speaks of, and that is completed, that he says it is accomplished. The glory of a humanity united and healed by union with the Son of God, taken to the cross to die, to be resurrected from the dead, and healed, then brought to sit at the right hand of the Father. Human nature is made glorious by this path which he trod, which the God-man paved for us. And we must follow that path to make this prayer our own and to be the glory of the Son, that we may also be the glory of the Father. How do we, how do we follow this? In the prayer itself, Christ says, I have given them the words which thou gave me, which the Father has given to the Son. And they received them. And have known that surely I came from thee. So we know the Father through the Son by following what he has told us to do. And God the Father is known in that way by the one he sent and by following his teaching, Jesus Christ. So it's the giving and the keeping of the word of God. That is the path to knowledge of the Father. And when we confess that name, the name of Jesus Christ and of his Father, we come to know the Father and the Spirit too. And we come to know the whole Trinity. And this is our eternal life, to come and know them, the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. If we know all three, we have eternal life. So we know God by the teaching of Christ and we're following of his commandments that he gave us. The more that we fulfill the commandments, the more our love grows for him and for one another. We join to the glory and power and authority and will of Christ by this, his path that we have laid out. The journey to the cross and to the resurrection and to the ascension. And when we die, we will wait for the great day where he will raise us and we too ascend to be into the kingdom of God and to be in his throne room, the Father's kingdom. So our knowledge may only be partial now, but then it will be complete. We should not consider this simply as sort of a mental knowing, something that, oh, God exists. He's out there somewhere somehow, and it's left that way. The knowledge that Christ is speaking of is an experience of his own life. And that leads us to the life of the Holy Trinity. We know him with our heart, with our mind, and with our soul, and all of our senses. And in that we know that the majestic and fearsome presence of the only true God, as St. Nikolai says. We know him in nature, and in our, own, in our own personal life. So today in the liturgical time, we are sitting just post-ascension. And we are sitting there in, this, in a mystical way all the time. Christ is no longer here with us face to face as he was with the disciples. But people still know him. And they also know the Father. How? Christ reveals this also to us in this prayer today. That we know him through the disciples, through his fruits. People come to know him through, we could say, his people. The world can know him by saints, by martyrs, and all the men and women who do follow his will. 
and are pleasing to him. For when they follow his will and his commandments, they know him. They see him as in a mirror and know him by the fruits when they taste it. Oh, this is a tree for which I want to be part of and become part of. So this is why we know Christ. It's in and through one another and our love for one another. Again, remember that they may be one as we are one. So we are the beneficiaries of this high priestly prayer of Christ our God. We are all those made one that believe on him through the word of all the previous disciples who are united in the bond of love that Christ prayed for in the words that we have heard today. They were accomplished in his passion, death, and resurrection, and ascension, and they were defended by the fathers who we commemorate today. We are his, and we are made like the God-man Jesus Christ and given to the Father in heaven by our Master and Savior Jesus Christ. And we become the children of the Father in this action. So we become the greatest joy and glory, all of his faithful followers. We are his greatest joy and, follow, and joy and glory. So the essential unity of the Trinity, which we've talked about, they are so united. This is the basis of our unity for all as human beings and our love for one another. And our love for one another grows from this knowledge. The more that we come to know God, the more that we are able to love one another in truth and in righteous living. Brothers and sisters, this is such a beautiful day to come and be reminded that we are saved not simply from ourselves and our own self-harming passions, but we are saved to have knowledge and intimacy with the life of the Holy Trinity. This is what salvation is, and this is what Christ is praying for. Christ has prayed for this unity and oneness and founded his church in his incarnation and on his own equality with the Father in heaven. So we strive to always have the unity and love and forgiveness and knowledge of God among ourselves. Strive for this today, brothers and sisters. And we will live that high priestly prayer of Christ. There is nothing greater than to know and experience the love of God to know that love of God, and to do so with our brothers and sisters here today in this room. We are one even as Christ and the Father are one. Truly there is nothing greater than this made known in the world. It's a great treasure and a pearl of great price. May we journey further up and further into the love, knowledge, and unity of the path paved by Christ and given to us by him. Amen.